It's time for JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Carr looking downfield. Devontae's wide open at the two. Grabs it. Touchdown, Raiders. The defender had fallen down, and Devontae Adams has his second touchdown grab of the half. JT the Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. Delayed hand up to Jacobs. Huge hole up the middle, 10. Cuts right side, 5. Touchdown, Jacobs. The hat trick in the end zone. His third rushing touchdown of the day. This is, this is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, the aftermath, Monday. What a day. What a day yesterday. And where were you? For one of the great regular season moments in Raiders history, where do you rank it? Where do you have it in your life as a Raider fan? I cannot believe the miracle that we all saw at Allegiant Stadium yesterday, especially the fans who were in attendance, the fans that love the team and are still in shock uh, less than 24 hours later. Less than 24 hours later, one of the great memories I've ever had in my life as a sports fan, not just a Raider fan, Raider supporter here on Raider Nation Radio, a host. I've never seen anything like that. I'm happy it's a memory I will take with me the rest of my life with my wife and two sons who were both at the game with me. And it was just shocking. It was emotional. It was a highlight. It's one of the greatest moments in the history of this franchise that has played in the biggest games, the greatest games with names, with the greatest players to ever play in this league. Look, they didn't go to the playoffs with the win. They didn't win the Super Bowl, but we're going to celebrate what happened yesterday. And we're going to try to put it into perspective of what's happening this year. What's happening this year, man, you're really being put through it emotionally. You are being put through this heavy. And this is a heavy emotion on the positive side, which we haven't had many of them. We had a few. There's been a couple of great moments. The House of Thrills over there at Allegiant Stadium had some great games. The first ever game, Drew Brees, they beat him. The Lamar Jackson walk-off game. Uh, the Arizona loss for Arizona, one of their top wins of all time. Emotional and crazy. Yesterday, Chandler Jones and the game winner. If you add all of that up, for those PSL and season ticket holders who have been privy to go to that stadium to see football, you've seen some pretty big moments. And you've seen some bad football and some good football and some exciting moments. But it's been emotional. And yesterday took a lot out of me. I'll tell you that much. It took a lot out of me yesterday because it was a roller coaster ride. It was highly emotional. And I thought, and nothing will be worse than the post game after the Baker Mayfield game and the Arizona game. But yesterday would have been pretty close. I really was looking as we were sitting there waiting on that final drive that tied the game up. And then what happened with Chandler Jones to win the game? That wasn't going to be a pretty post game show after the game. It was not going to be pretty because the Raiders would have been eliminated. And that's my big takeaway as we get this week going. I have another week on radio with a meaningful game. A really important game coming up in a classic rivalry on the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, as the Raiders call it, the Immaculate Deception. And we'll have more on that tomorrow. But a good time. I've been trying to share with you all year long that it just cannot always be negative. It can't. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. It's not good for anyone mentally, especially just to be that negative all the time. Because there's a lot of negativity when things are going wrong, and we know that. Sports radio is mostly negative. You know, it is. Unless you listen to the cheeseburger and movie shows and people not talking about that. 
Nothing in my in my personal life is important enough to be on this radio show other than stuff I do with my wife and kids with sports. Now, I don't sit here and tell you what we do for dinner every night and what we're doing for vacation. You don't care about that. You care from time to time if I say, hey, you know, my son was at the game. You get a chance to meet him or this happened, that happened. But there's no screwing around now. We have football coming up this Saturday in a game that the Raiders should win, and the Raiders are still in the hunt. And I don't think anybody thought that a month ago. Even when the Raiders were winning, after the Jacksonville loss, after New Orleans, it felt like the season was circling the drain and going to be over. And the Raiders pulled it out. They should have won five in a row. It should have been four in a row yesterday, five in a row, possible for six in a row. And I put out an interesting tweet, and it might be the topic of the show. It might be good enough to sustain some energy in the show today about what the Raiders' record should be. Because I had breakfast today at my favorite breakfast spot. Dropped a buddy of mine off at the airport who was staying with me, and I had about an hour to kill. So I went to my spot, and I sat at the breakfast bar with my head down in the paper, and I was just listening to everyone, listening to the servers, the cooks, people behind the scenes. They're all talking about this game. Everybody. Everybody's talking about this game. And I tweeted out about three hours ago, Raiders have six wins while also losing 17-point leads at Kansas City and Jacksonville, 20 at home to Arizona, and the Baker Mayfield game, 16-3. to How many wins should they actually have, question mark? Nine seems about right to me. I'm not. I have a, the first guy who got back to me said 11. I don't think the Raiders are good enough to be an 11 and three team. Come on, but if you do the Tennessee game and you throw in the Indy game on top of the nine, I told you, you know, you're at 10 or 11. But a lot of people are super negative that the Raiders have just had this disastrous season. They have six wins the hard way, and they have the losses they have the really hard way. So it's going to take a lot to digest this because I'm in the bubble. If you're a Raider fan, you're in the bubble, and it's highly emotional all year long. The losses were so dramatic. If they lost another double-digit lead after being up 17-3, to do you know what those press conferences would have sounded like? Do you know what the questions would have been like from the media? It would have been brutal, and, the, and they would have been eliminated, officially eliminated, and all the memes would have went out that they're eliminated. So they might get eliminated in Pittsburgh. I think they're going to win, but we have saw a lot of things in those games that need to be analyzed. But I don't want to do much of that today. I want to focus the show on the final play of the game and what that meant to you personally in your life with your family, maybe someone who's no longer with you in your family, maybe your grandfather, your grandmother were at the Sea of Hands game. Maybe they were you know, at one of the Holy Roller games or the iconic games, the Heidi game. Raider Mort was at the Heidi game. Talking to him about this. Where do you put it? And if the Raiders had a better record, it could be higher up than some of those games. But the reason the Holy Roller, Sea of Hands, the Heidi game was so important, they were a little bit more meaningful than this game yesterday. So this game, if the Raiders don't make the playoffs, will just be an immaculate finish. But I think it's a top four moment in Raider history, regular season. I always say that. Super Bowls, playoffs are separate. We know that. But in the history of this franchise dating back to 1960, you could put it one or you could put it two. I don't think you could move it pretty far past three or four if you have it there. And then how about the negative plays? The tuck rule and the immaculate reception is a part of that. The tuck rule and the immaculate reception are two of the biggest losses of all time. But could this be the greatest regular season win in Raider history? Not record-wise, moment. 
And I last night I was on the radio. I don't know how I did it. Last night I was on the radio to 11 p.m. And I was mostly talking about the World Cup. And let me throw that into the monologue. The World Cup, and we'll find out by middle of the week, could be the most important sporting game ever. Bigger than Ali, Frazier, Ali, I believe if you look at Norton, uh, if you look at all the big fights that he had, but Frazier and George Foreman, the two big ones, Rumble in the Jungle, Thriller in Manila, all of that. Ali was known around the world. All over the world, everybody knew Ali. All over the world, not everybody knows LeBron James and Tom Brady. All over the world, everyone knows Lino Messi. And that game delivered, it was the greatest World Cup final game of all time with two of the greatest players of all time. Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe, who's young, only 23. And Lionel Messi now who has his crowning achievement. That happened yesterday, too. So yesterday might have been the greatest individual sporting event game, bigger than any Olympic race, any moment in sports history. And if you don't agree, it doesn't matter. The world is much bigger than you, and the world agrees that that was the greatest sporting event of all time and the largest audience of all time. I don't know how you keep track of an audience. You had a couple of million, not a couple of hundred thousand, a couple of million people in Buenos Aires watching. You had people in Thailand watching, in Cape Town, South Africa, people in, all through Europe, all through Europe, countries, not cities watching. That happened yesterday. I watched the finals in the parking lot, in the J-lot, at the Black Hole tailgate. And then I walked into the Raider game, and they're up 17-3. to Everyone's feeling pretty good about it. T-Pain in concert. And then it unraveled again. It unraveled again. Both quarterbacks played poorly for the majority of the game. The game, the Raiders were on the verge of collapse, which would have put the Patriots closer to the playoffs. And then right at the end of the game, this happens. Raiders only have three up by the line of scrimmage. Mac Jones hands it off on a draw to Ramondre Stevenson. Breaks out of a tackle at the 50. Has the 45. Breaks away from another tackle. Pitches it backwards. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a step forward. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. He scores. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe what I just saw. Again. I can't believe what I just saw. This is unbelievable. <laughs> wow. On the first night of Hanukkah, it's a miracle in Las Vegas. Chandler Jones picks off a lateral, and the Raiders win 30-24. to Jason Horowitz, Lincoln Kennedy. Yes, happy Hanukkah to everyone out there and one of the great miracles I've ever seen. I was at wide right. As a fan, I've been at all games. I've been in a lot of games, Final Four buzzer beaters. I've seen a lot of cool stuff, mostly Super Bowls. The 28-3 comeback, those were bigger events than what happened at Allegiant. That was the most dramatic and heart-pounding moment I've ever seen in sports, ever. And because I was emotionally invested in it, about to go on the radio for a funeral an absolute funeral on the season. Done. Season over and another collapse. That's where it went from. So you want to talk about me being invested. I was invested in that moment. So I think it made it better. And then my wife and kids came over to the Modelo Cantina. We were hugging it out, loving it, people going there. And then the experience I got, which is really important for radio, is the storytelling part of my business where I saw the Patriot fans, many of them very classy. There were a lot of them there. We knew that in utter shock 
Okay, the helmet catch with Eli Manning and David Tyree, I was there for that. I saw Patriot fans, I call them the khaki pan Patriot fans, walk by me in shock when they lost that Plaxico Barris touchdown. And the Patriots had, they remember, the Patriots were 18-0. and 0. They were going to be the greatest team of all time. I was in the building for that. I saw Patriot fans in shock. This was a different type of shock. This was, I don't believe it. And this was all before they were so pissed off at Belichick and Matt Patricia and the coaching staff for allowing that to happen. Because the bonehead play by them, but you just go on your knee. Coaches got to take the blame for that. And Belichick doesn't get the heat that Josh McDaniels gets because he's Belichick. So with all of that, there's a lot of thoughts stirring in my head. But the most, most of it is really positive because that deserves, that one play deserves constant analysis, celebration, and hopefully it's something to build on. I don't know how it's going to be something to build on, but I told you last week how important it was for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to beat their mentor, and they did. And they did it in one of the most famous games of all time. That's got to be a positive going forward, and we'll get into that. All right, let's start off. I got all the highlights to play, the sound bites. Harry Ruiz at the top of the hour. We left the phones open today on a Monday for obvious reasons. Chris in West Oakland, start us off, Chris. What's happening? Hey, JT. Yeah, you know what? Let's, 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 I'm going to take all three of your points where the record should be at the end. But yesterday, listen, without a doubt, probably the craziest ending in Raider history of a game I've ever seen. I don't think it's the most important. At the end of the day, I think we're going to look back and think this was one of the craziest endings of one play in NFL history, probably at the end of a lost season where we didn't make the playoffs. But that doesn't make it any less crazy or noteworthy, especially if you were in the building. Um, I just, and as far as breaking down that play, you know what impressed me the most, JT? And I've been harping on it for 20 years with this team. Chandler Jones actually caught the damn ball out of the air with his hands, ran over Matt Jones in one of the most feeble attempts at a tackle I'd ever seen. He looked like a Pop Warner kid that had wandered onto a varsity practice trying to trade Chandler Jones down. It was pathetic. But like I said, this franchise has had way too many uh, bigger moments in the regular season. I go back to 1994, January 2nd, down 30-13 to with 10 minutes left against Denver and John Elway. Storm back and win in overtime to make the playoffs. I think things like that that had playoff ramifications were much more important, but does not take away how crazy game was yesterday. And let's talk about where the Raiders should be right now. I think realistic JT, this team, a 9 or 10 win. You blow four games with at least a 13-point lead, three of them, two with 17, one at 20. Kansas City comes back on everybody. I'll give them a pass. Should not have won, lost the other three. However, we won a couple of games in overtime that maybe we could have lost. So if you want to be fair, maybe you drop one of those, but hold on to. I think this is a 9 or a 10 win team right now, a solid wild card team behind Kansas City, and probably should be looking at that right now. We've had some horrible breaks go our way. You hope the law of, again, I wish the law of averages would have kicked in well before yesterday, but I'd say 9 and, you know, nine and 5 right now. 10-4 and four is probably fair to where this Raider team should be. And I just hope they finish strong, run the table. Maybe they get the help they need and a miracle will happen. But if not, it'll give them something to build on for next year. Thank you, my friend. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Talk to you later. All right, Chris. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you know, the you don't you don't notice by the tone of this show and all of our shows here on the flagship that this team should be a 9 or 10 win team. If it was, the tone would be completely different. Everyone would like to coach more. More for those who don't like to coach and don't like division, the they'd all be silenced. You just, I just go, I laugh at all of them. I'd be like, "This ten wins, 
They have nine wins. What are you talking about? You don't like the play calling? Okay. Most fans don't like the play calling of all these coaches. You want to hear Patriots radio today and what they're saying on EEI and the sports hub today? But the fact that the losses were so dramatic, and as Chris said, throw out the Kansas City game. They come back on everybody. I, I, I think they were better than Tennessee. Tennessee didn't have a win when the Raiders played them. The Raiders had the ball last with an opportunity to win that game. The Charger game on the opener, they had the ball to win the game on the last possession. They didn't. Those are more games we add in. But the Arizona game and the Baker-Mayfield game, those were easy victories. Those weren't victories. They should have been blowout victories. So you add the two to the six, that's eight. And they got the tiebreaker there over the over the Patriots, obviously, from yesterday. And I think in the final three games, the Raiders win two to make the playoffs. I do. But we don't, we don't know about that. Now, as Chris said, let's see if they can run the table. Best case scenario for me would be, Obviously, the Raiders get nine wins, and they're above 500. They have to beat Pittsburgh, which they should. And then San Francisco has Brock Purdy. I keep making, I keep saying that point because if you can't outperform Brock Purdy, you got a problem. Their defense is outstanding, but you got to beat Brock Purdy. And then I don't know what Kansas City's playing for the last game. They might have the two-seed all locked up and not able to get the one, so they might shut it down, and the Raiders could win that. And they owe Kansas City payback because they were up 17-0, and they're at home. And there's no Tyreek Hill. But Kansas City owns the Raiders recently, and that's a tough game for me to look out. I'm just going to focus on Pittsburgh starting tomorrow and Wednesday on a short week as the Raiders got to get out to Pittsburgh because of the weather that's coming. And that's going to be a huge topic this week. The Raiders are playing in their only their only weather game this year, and it could be extreme. How does the franchise react to that? Eric in Vegas, always good to hear from Dust till dawn on a Monday after a victory. What's happening, buddy? Uh, victory Monday, buddy. Lots of Modelo. Haven't slept. Have you slept yet? Because I uh, slept a little, but I didn't sleep much. I got off the air late, and I had to do some stuff today, and I got Monday Night Football tonight at Resorts World, and then another three-hour show. So today is a long finish line for me, but I'm motivated by that victory yesterday. It was a lot of fun. And, and you're leaving the stadium. You should have heard JT's energy. He's sitting there and saying, thank you for coming, New England fans. Thank you for... Adding commerce to our city, I love when you do that. But you said in your monologue, JT, what does this mean to you? And I go back to when I was 13 years old and I had a paper route. Remember the old paper routes? Sure. You had? You threw the newspapers? After the immaculate reception, no one got the L.A. Herald Examiner the next day. I was so pissed off. My dad and grandfather were so pissed off. They have a restaurant supply store. They're both, both gone. Rest in peace. They didn't open the store. They gave up business. We were so upset about it. And I felt that way after the Baker Mayfield loss, and I got rejuvenated with this win because if you're a Raider fan, you know the, the drama is always there. I will say this, though. Going back to, to, to those times, I still think if you're asking what the greatest Raider, one of the Ra- greatest Raider victories was in the regular season, it happened for me and my son. You get to, you get to witness these games mm-hmm. with your sons, too. Last season, when we beat the Chargers and make the playoffs, was just an epic, classic game. I put that above this game, even though this game had the most drama at the end, because that game meant so much. But I'll tell you why we're all blessed in the Raider Nation. It's because of you and Raider Radio. And you talked me off the ledge. I listened to you and Raider Mort when we lost the Tuckwell game, one of the greatest losses of all time. And having that as a navigator when we lose. And then we have the great voices. I thought about, I went back last night, so I couldn't sleep. I put on YouTube and I watched the Holy Roller. I'm listening to Bill King mm-hmm. saying, Ben wants to know if it's real. Yes, the officials say, get your big butt off the field. He does. Then we go from him to Greg Papa, to the legend of Brett Musburger. And this Jason Horowitz kid, I've said it on your show before, he's in that league. 
He has the it factor. The way he called that play, you played on the monologue. Mm-hmm. We are blessed to have you and Raider Radio in the offseason to carry us and navigate us through all the good and hard times. And then we're Hall of Fame as far as the, the play-by-play and the analysis. I say Merry Christmas to you, buddy, and let's get to 9-8. and eight. Yes, I would, I would hope so. I hope they can get to 9-8. and eight. I hope there's something to really build on here. I think there is a lot to build on. You know, They played most of the season without Waller and Renfro to get to the amount of wins they have with the heartbreaking losses. There is a lot to build on, the cap space, having a full draft coming up, what they inherited via the draft. Now, I was here for all that. I anchored every draft with Mike Pritchard, Lincoln Kennedy, Step McKenzie, all the Mike Mayock drafts. Mike Mayock was on the call. He was on one of the games. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. He was on the Saturday game, one of the Saturday games. So Mike Mayock was there for NFL Network. So I was listening to him. Mike, good to me. I wish him nothing but the best. Coach Gruden, you know what he's done for my life over the years. But uh, this, this group, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, have to deal with the mess of these draft picks and the, and the players who aren't going to be here. And that's something that's compounding as literally everybody who was drafted by the former regime, some turned out, you know, the Ruggs thing was so unfortunate and so horrific and Arnett was just a swing and miss. And then there's so many other players, Tanner Muse and Lynn Bowden and the guys who were here, and these were valuable picks that could have been cornerstone picks on this team. Look what the Seahawks did with their five picks there. And that's happening too. So I'm trying to take the good out of this and to see what's happening. And the greatness out of this was the victory yesterday. And it was just some incredible to be where I was with uh, Ray Brewer, who works with me on the games, he's one of our guys. He's a technical engineer and a producer. And he and I were up outside the Modelo Cantina Club in the back row, and we sat in two empty seats. And I want to play, Bobby, if we can play the Cole. I mean, not, not the Keenan Cole catch. I want to get to, let's play 54, which is the Holland's fourth down reception. This was my lowest point yesterday. My lowest point. It was third and 10, then it was 4th and 10. And I knew as soon as this ball was either incomplete, tipped, blocked, something happened, the season was over, and then Carr made this play. He's got Waller, Hollins out to the left, Renfro, Adams to the right. He's in the shotgun on an empty set on 4th down. Here's the season. Back to pass. Fires to the left. It's caught by Hollins at the 32. They convert on fourth down. And he'll move the sticks right in front of the Patriots bench. Now he was pushed out of bounds with momentum stopped. So they will keep the clock winding. But they do convert on fourth down. So that play was massive. That's one of the biggest plays of the year. And I said to myself, to Ray next to me, I go, they went to Hollins again? I think they went to him for six straight plays. I'm like, Waller, Devontae Adams? Season's on the line. You didn't go to Devontae. So if that ball gets dropped or tipped and goes out of bounds and Devontae's standing over there going, really? Really? I'm here? And he catches that ball. And then the Keelan Cole catch was so big. What happened on the Cole catch in the end zone was a daisy cutter bomb thrown to the perfect part. And I thought he was in bounds. Here they trail 24-17 with 37 seconds to go on the ball on the Patriots 30. Snap to call. Looking left. Lobs towards the far end zone. Over the shoulder. It's called by Cole. Keelan Cole with the catch of his life. And the Raiders are an extra point away from tying this game with 32 seconds to go. Raiders Radio Compass Media on all these calls. So when that happened, that was the longest review I ever can recall in my life, five minutes or so. 
And everybody's freaking out, and Patriot fans, he was out. The white cleat, the white part of the cleat with the white line, there was one of the tweets that were there that showed his foot inbounds. There was a really good look at a tweet. I'll find it and retweet it. And it could have went, it could, the way this season was going, they could have overturned it there and took the touchdown away, and season's over again. The Raiders catch a break like the Patriots haven't. Give me a break, right? The Patriots haven't uh, a million times. So the Raiders catch that break, and then they end up winning the game. That final drive, that fourth and ten to Hollins was massive because the way the Raiders' bad luck has been this year, and a lot of it's bad luck. It's bad luck. It's fluky, bad luck crap. That would have been the ultimate ending to the season. Going to Hollins on fourth down instead of Devontae, not picking up the first down, or Derek being short of the first down, and the world coming to an end. So someone was looking down on the Raiders yesterday. That's even before the Chandler Jones play. Hardcore Raider checking in here on a Monday. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you, JT. Hey, man, the, going back throughout my Raider lifetime, there's been some really disappointing things that have just kept me up at night. And the thing at the top of the list is the, is the tough game, you know. And the way that game ended and how it's, like, just not settled with me after all these years, you know, I, I just wanted one thing, and that was for the Raiders to beat the Patriots. I know it wasn't a playoff game, but, you know, I think Raider Nation needs to really understand the importance of this game. We beat the Patriots mm-hmm. one time. Uh, through and they've won six games, and that was the year we went to the Super Bowl, okay? Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, as of now, have never lost a game to the Patriots as the mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders in our stadium. So we, we hold that title. You know, the play from uh, Keelan Cole and uh, how the refs, you know, I, I thought they were going to overturn it. I was holding my breath the whole time. But we got a lot of Patriot fans that, um, you know, are feeling a lot like how the Raider Nation felt when the tough game happened. Uh, obviously not a playoff game, mm-hmm. but hopefully they feel our pain just a little bit. You know, I do think it was a catch, but whatever. And then, you know, Chandler Jones, uh, you know, he, he actually missed the tackle, tackling Stevenson. Uh, when it yeah. happened, I was freaking out. Uh, but, you know, Chandler Jones made up for it and caught the interception. Had Chandler Jones made the tackle, we go in overtime, who knows what happens. This is one of the greatest Raider games that have ever happened. You know, from the immaculate mm-hmm. deception to the holy roller, ghost of the post, see of hands, this has to be up there. We got – the anniversary of the Immaculate Deception coming up, uh, you know, this year for the 50th anniversary. Uh, I do think this game should have a name. I'm thinking it should be called either the Win City Ladderception Miracle or maybe the uh, Immaculate Ladderception. Um, but, you know, going into this game uh, with the Steelers, I, I hope some alum- alumni uh, can give a history lesson of what this game is going to mean for the Raiders and Raider Nation going back all the way to the Immaculate mm-hmm. Deception and uh, even, the, I think it was the year prior when, the Steelers sprayed the field with ice. So this game is huge. The media is going to pump it up to, you know, put the Steelers uh, up on top like it was a catch, but we all know the truth. And we all know that this game ended the way that it needed to be ended, and we broke the tuck curse. I truly believe that. We finally broke the tuck curse. Yeah, I like that part of it. Thank you very much. And Raider fans will name this game. It'll pop up. It needs to simmer for a couple of days before the name comes up. I like to get out of my way play because Chandler Jones, the stiff arm, get out of my way was great. There's a whole bunch of names that are out there. The immaculate interception, other things. It'll all come up here, and there'll be something the Raiders will put out. But I will tell you, tomorrow's an exciting day. I'm going to be privy to have a preview of the Immaculate Deception, the Raiders' life, and what the Raider team is doing behind the scenes to put out this unbelievable documentary. I've seen about 15 minutes of it. I'm going to see the whole thing tomorrow, and then right after, I'm going to interview George Atkinson for that, and we're going to have a really cool segment with that, which is going to be fantastic. Really excited. That'll be tomorrow. 
And then we'll get into Steelers week later in the week. But let's keep the phones going on where were you yesterday? Sports bar, casino, at home. Where were you when the play went down? The monologue brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Was there any communication? No, you know, no, that was just me. That was me. There was no communication. No, I promise you, that was just me trying to make a play. On that final play, and it was yeah, a draw play. Was it was it instinctive on Ramondre? Was he yeah. given the green light to pitch it if yeah, he had an opening? We made a mistake. You know, played it where. Uh, Belichick and before that, Myers who threw the ball back to Mac Jones. Why was he throwing the ball back to Mac Jones? It wasn't like Mac Jones was going to catch it and go long. It wasn't going to happen. The play already started. If you're going to lateral and run it, why would you throw it back to Mac Jones at that point and put his career in jeopardy? He could have got tackled and buried on that play. Also, I don't know if you caught Max Crosby threw Myers to the ground after that lateral. Just threw him down like a bug. Just threw him to the ground. That was great. The play was incredible. Where were you for the play? What effect does that play have on you going forward? And the positive vibes coming off that game. You know, if I look at the game and what could have been. That's what life is. Worst case scenario, best case scenario. Best case scenario is the Raiders win dramatic fashion. They did. Worst case scenario is they lose that game and they collapse up 17-3. to I don't know how these walls would have stood up around here today in this studio. I don't know what the show would have sounded like. And there's still a lot of football left. There's three games left You know, for the Raiders to really go out on a strong note here. But that would have been a tough one to stomach. And I've seen some tough ones this year. And fortunately, that one play changes everything which i'm greatly excited about happy for everybody who was in the building for that mr black's been on hold too long in hawaii go ahead mr black what's happening hey aloha jt man uh, what an amazing play uh i had to get in the car and had to go do a few things so i was listening to it on the radio here in hawaii mm-hmm. and of course we're having these major storms right now but uh that five minutes um uh you know with the uh all in cat i mean the uh i'm sorry that five-minute wait, though, for the uh, touchdown catch, that was excruciating, was. man. I'm driving. And, and then, of course, Lincoln Kennedy, his, his exuberance with the, uh, with the call uh, with the Chandler Jones. Oh, my goodness. That was just, just greater history, greater history. And then re- real quick, I, uh, I lost my brother. He was 77. He died in, in July. And I miss him dearly. We're from the Bay Area originally. Of course, I live in Hawaii, but we talk all the time, or did talk all the time, always Raider stuff. And uh, you were talking about family, and me and him shared so many wonderful Raider uh, memories, watching the Immaculate Reception in 72. I was 14, and I just miss him so much. Yeah, I could Take tell. Care. Yeah, I could tell. You're pretty emotional there. And that's that's what great memories do in sports and brings people together. More tears were shed yesterday in happiness than any time in the history of the world for sports in Argentina when Messi won. So those are global. Okay. Those are beyond hundreds of millions of people. Okay. Some of the largest populations in the world were watching that. There were a lot of tears shed yesterday. But for the Raider fans who went to the game and were inside the building and stayed with the team during thick and thin because a lot of people bailed on social media. A lot of people bailed on the Raiders yesterday in that fourth quarter. A lot of people bailed on their team. 
And that's why they invented this crap, the social media, Twitter. I'm at fault too. You know, I'm nowhere near perfect on it, but people are sitting here just running, running away from the team with five minutes to go in the game. And everything was happening, and then everybody wants to back, come back into the party. That's what they do a lot at stadiums. Once you go out, you can't come back in. Uh, yesterday, a lot of people bailed on the Raiders, but they'll come back this week and be happy about it. Great to hear from Raider Man, who's been to many great Raider games in his life up in Oakland. Raider Man, where were you? What, what did it feel like? What did you think on that final victory, that play? Hey, what's going on, JT? Shouts out to you guys. I don't want to be remiss in forgetting to say Merry Christmas. You too. We don't get the chance to speak again. Uh, before the holiday. Bro, I was in a world of my own, and I want to just give a quick shout-out and wrap my arms around the neck of that brother just called in the memory of his brother because I got a lot of similar memories. Uh, for me, it's a little bit different because I'm the only Raider fan. I think that's kind of how I became Raider fan. I mean, Raider man, because all of my people, they like to follow them suckers from across the bay, and I just wasn't having it, man. I mean, you know, like literally for me yesterday, I was growing through, and I don't, I don't consider myself going through anything. I grow through everything. And yesterday for me, marked the 41st year since the passing of my mom. Now, I'm not going to drag the show down. It's not about being sad. It's about growing through things because life throws a lot of curveballs, and it's your job as an individual to stand back in the box and keep swinging the bat. So that's what I've been doing, man. I'm doing my best to grow through a really, really tough hardship in my life. I lost my mom just a couple weeks before I turned nine. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been that battle. So yesterday for me, that game kind of fortified me. It brought me back. It finally gave me something because the Raiders over the years, we've got nothing but screwed. Finally, we're getting calls. You know, we see all the typical things that we see on the weekend, week-out basis, ready to jump all over D.C., ready to, you know, to, to crucify the defensive coordinator, ready to you know, jump all over McDaniel for play calling. But I sat back and I watched that game with hope. Had some guys on the chat line. We were chopping it up, having a good time with it. But it was all about positivity, and I felt good about that, man, because we get to come out the other side. And today I get a chance to not only say great and God wishes to my mom, you know, God rest her soul, but on today is my 12-year anniversary to my beautiful QB1. Uh, we got a chance to grow through a lot together over these last few years. Uh, Lord willing, my baby birthday come up in the next week, a couple of days after Christmas, and that's the irony of this next game we're going into. Because I was born just a week after the Immaculate Deception. And I'm telling you, man, it had to put a, a, a twig in my craw. It's the reason why I got the blood burning for Raider Nation the way that I do. And it's the reason why I'm wired the way that I am. So, you know, I don't want to make this call too long, but these games always make me think of number 43. I want to shout out to the OG George Atkinson, let him know that I love him, man. I really miss being able to be around him. And for all my Raider Nation family who know how I get down, man, I'm sorry I couldn't be there this week. I love you guys. I'm going to do my best to get there for my birthday because New Year's is going down. It ain't got nothing to do with the freaking Niners. Well, let's Raiders go, baby. Raider Nation for life. I see what I'm looking at you. You got it, man. Raider, man. Good to hear from you there, too. You know, great moments in sports ties families together. And once you tie a family together with sports if you're lucky enough to go you know i'm not I, I, I don't go to a lot of big sporting events with my sons for whatever if i'm traveling to a super bowl or i'm doing this or that but the best memories i've ever had in my life was with my kids at a sporting event or me with my dad and having those moments together and yesterday was the perfect storm for me as both my sons were home and my son from oklahoma brought two buddies who by by the way never been to vegas so they're 21 they had the full Vegas experience. So the 21 legal, so they could have a Modelo, they could have a good time, and they just had a blast. And it was great just to see the smiles on their faces of these two young 21-year-old guys, my son's fraternity brothers. And they're like, this is, this is what we do in Vegas. 
For the, this is what happens in Vegas. You can have an experience like that. And, you know, the Patriot fans were there in full force. I knew that. Niner fans are going to be there in full force. We know that. So everybody's complaining. It's not like Oakland. We, we got you. It isn't. It's different. It's Vegas. And yesterday, look at the games that Vegas has had already. The greatest regular season game of all time to end the season, the Charger game last year. No debate. That was the most important final game in NFL history because of the playoff ramifications the Raiders won. The overtime win against Baltimore and what happened yesterday with that big play with Chandler Jones. If you're a season ticket holder or you've been coming to these games, you're getting your money's worth on top of all the entertainment, on top of all the concerts that go on during the game and all of that. I care about winning football games, but it's also a nice experience. And I think people who were here yesterday had the time of their life. Didn't expect it. It didn't go bad. And just the ebb and flow of the game. You go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, then the ultimate high. That's what going to live sporting events are all about. Some people can't go because of where they are in life. If they're disabled or if they can't go for whatever reason, they don't have the money to purchase the ticket. We understand that, and we wish you have the opportunity to go at times in your life. But the ones who do go, those Raider fans who stuck it out in the building yesterday, in the building and didn't leave their seats and stayed for that, they should all get a commemorative patch or a pin saying that they were there and a PSL holder. Because that's the foundation of the franchise going forward with the fans here in Vegas, welcoming everyone in. How about Crusader Raider? Came all the way, his 90th trip from London. We were able to put him on the pregame show on the stage at the Torch. And he told the story of 200 now-plus games and 90 airline flights from the other side of the pond to go see the Raiders. And he saw that victory. And I got a beautiful text this morning from Steve Wisniewski, who was our guest also on the pregame show, along with Zach Miller and Wiz talked about the experience he had yesterday, and we really enjoyed that. Oh, and the Bolitnikovs had their crab fest. We sat at the table with Marcus Allen, uh, Danny Serafin, the Hall of Famer, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the founder of Chicago. Fred and Angela had a beautiful night. And what a great time for all the Raider employees and fans who came out to that at Paris. So it was one heck of a weekend, a Raider weekend that started with the Bolitnikoff Crab Fest and went to that immaculate victory at home, one of the greatest moments in Raiders' regular season history. Not bad for mid-December. Not bad. That was a hell of a good weekend. 702-365-9200. You need to call in today and tell me where you were and what do you compare it to in your life as a Raider fan. Where do you put it on the all-time list of greatest plays? I think some people have it at number one. I really do. I think it's in the top three or four with the Sea of Hands and some of the other great games. The Heidi game, I think it's most comparable to. We'll keep talking about that. What the game meant to you on the flagship of the Silver and Black. I was on the bench, and I. what's sad, you know, with technology is I didn't even watch it in person. I was watching the Jumbotron, you know. It's like when Tiger Woods is hitting a shot and everyone's on their phone, like, trying to watch it. Like, just enjoy it, you know. Um, but I, I was watching the Jumbotron, and honestly, when the running back tossed it to uh, the other player, I, I think I even said it. I was like, throw it back, we'll catch it. Throw it and we'll catch it. Throw it and we'll catch it. And he threw it, and I was again. I was watching up there, and then all of a sudden, I just see Chandler, you know, put his hands up, and I, I started yelling at Bo, uh, my quarterback coach. I was like, Bo, 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 and then he didn't react until he crossed the finish line. So, respect to Bo, but once he did, we went nuts. 
Uh, Derek Carr, his postgame reaction. JT, back with you. I'll be at Resorts World tonight for Monday Night Football for about an hour or so. We kick it off. So there'll be uh, the Doghouse Saloon, which is right there at Resorts World. And I want to thank everybody who showed up for our remote on Friday. Hosted a remote there with Modelo. Remy Martin at Resorts World at Redtail. If it wasn't for the black hole, I mean, it's tough for people to come out for a radio remote at at noon, you know, in in a casino. It's not easy. So many people showed up, and it was all because of the black hole. Cisco and the crew, Rilla, Gorilla Rilla, uh, Violator, all came down there, and they brought people with them, and it really made me look good. made Resorts World feel good that that many people supported us. Again, it's not easy at noon to 2. It's easy to get people at a remote at night or people out for dinner. They'll come by. But in the middle of the day on a Friday to see that many Raider fans at Resorts World, I can't thank you enough for that. So I'll be there tonight for Monday Night Football probably from 4 to 5.15, uh, 5.30 or so before I go on the air at 6. So if you're looking for a great place to watch Monday Night Football, Doghouse Saloon is great at Resorts World. Plenty of seating, the sports books there, you can have a good time. So Bobby and I were talking about this, and Bobby is a New England Patriot fan, diehard his whole entire life. And you and I were discussing that once the runner on that last play, and he had a nice uh, – he, he was 20 yards upfield. Once you started throwing the ball backwards – you couldn't throw it anymore. Right. So the the throw from Myers to Mac Jones made more no sense for this reason. Mac Jones could have been severely injured if he caught the ball. Forget about Chandler Jones for a second. He's throwing it back to a quarterback who can't throw it. So what is he supposed to do, Mac Jones? Catch it and run. And run. But it's the last play of the game. So the Raiders would have killed him, destroyed him football wise oh, yeah. if he caught it. So then you could be talking about your franchise quarterback getting humiliated, hit, thrown to the ground, blowing out his shoulder or knee on that play. And it was stupidity. But we both know, we've said this all year, Bob, because you're running a lot of these shows. When everybody gets on Josh McDaniel's ass hard on this channel, I mean, and especially on social media, Josh McDaniel doesn't coach poorly during the week. He doesn't coach all these mental mistakes. Delay of game. What's happening with that? And Belichick didn't coach that play up with Patricia and tell him to do that. Those were the nut, the knucklehead players who did it and made the mistakes. And Belichick's getting barbecued for it today. Oh, he's getting murdered in Boston. Absolutely. They're killing him over there. The, th- the one thing about that whole play that I don't understand is why didn't Myers just fall down? That's it. If he just fell down, we go to overtime, he got a 50-50 shot. What this kid was doing, I have no idea. And it, what's, what makes it the most amazing thing, everybody, is if they were losing, if it was 24-23 Raiders, then you've lateral it back all day long because it's the last play of the game. It was tied. It was tied. They were so stupid to do that. All they had to do was fall All down. they had to do was fall on the ball and play for overtime. I was planning on being there another 20 minutes. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a full overtime. Could have ended in a tie because both quarterbacks did not play well in that game. Derek mm. Carr did not play well. He had made a couple of big throws late, but that disappearing act by this team again in the second half is a problem. Awful lot of three and outs in that second oh, half. Oh, and Mac Jones had nothing going through three quarters. He couldn't get anything going. 702-365-9200. Where were you exactly for this play? Who were you with? And how did it change your life as a Raider fan? John's in New York City. What's going on, John? How you doing, JT? Good, oh, John. That was an awesome game yesterday. Oh, yeah, I have the streaming of the games because obviously I have to watch the Jets all the time mm-hmm. here. So uh, I was watching the game in my living room. My son's watching with me. And I was sinking bad. Like you were describing your feelings when the game has come down to the end, especially that fourth and ten to Hollands there. And 
that completion and then the keep moving it and then that touchdown was unbelievable. But once that Chandler play happened, I was going back and forth because my stream had a few seconds delay. So I was looking at ESPN's game day and I was looking with three seconds left. All of a sudden I'm seeing final. So I look up at the screen because I was watching the passing around of the ball. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. How could the pitchers have not just one bonehead, but two boneheads on the same play make mistakes? You know, we were lucky that uh, Chandler was there Mm -hmm. after trying to tackle him initially. And he was there to take it and have the senior or that uh, veteran presence of mind Mm -hmm. get the ball and just run. Yeah, I thought that was a really big play, and I appreciate the call, John. Thank you. The fact that Chandler threw the stiff arm and didn't get tripped up. And Mac, Mac Jones got thrown to the ground. It's a great meme. It's a great photo. But what happened on that play, too, is Chandler Jones could have got tripped up easily. He's a big guy. So he catches the ball. He's trying to run it in. I thought in real time, when I look back at it, in real time at that moment, I thought Chandler was going to lateral it back. I thought he was going to move it back. I was never concerned at that play before the play started because – I saw Matt Collins down at the goal line. So he was all the way down at the goal line. They weren't going to score on that play with a lateral or a long run and a missed tackle. There were It was Matt Collins waiting at the goal line to stop that play. But the laterals were stupid, and something like that should never happen to Bill Belichick. You don't have to remind players that. They go out there. They ran the ball once before that. You don't have to tell everybody in their ear, hey, don't lateral it. They know not to. So you can have the smartest coaches in the world. And Matt Patricia has got many Super Bowl rings, too, just like Josh McDaniels. Those coaches know what they're doing there. It was the player in the heat of battle, the player in the heat of battle that made mistakes. That's happened a lot to the Raiders this year. Raiders have blown a lot of leads because the players in the heat of battle didn't do what the coaches have coached. That's a big part of this season. Nick in Vegas. Nick, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Pleasure talking to you, man. Same here. Born and raised in Vegas. Absolutely great, great football game. It was my second one, and I had the uh, pleasure of watching the game in a suite, hanging out with uh, with a celebrity. Mm-hmm. We had the, uh, I had the first half, Raiders, loved it, and that last play, man, was absolutely amazing, man. We went, I thought the building was going to collapse. It was mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful, man. Couldn't believe it. But uh, just wanted to chime in. Had a great time. Awesome. Awesome. Good. I'm happy you were there for that. Happy you had a great time. Thanks for the call. It was a great memory, wasn't it? You got the program. I think John Madden was on the cover of the program. We had a lot of fun at the pregame show. T-Pain performed at halftime. A lot of fans enjoyed that. The anthem was fantastic. Just had a good time. It was a good time to be at the game. Now, the next game's the Niner game on New Year's Day. That's a tough ask for people on New Year's Eve. I notice in Vegas... People don't go big on New Year's Eve because you go big in Vegas all year long. Some people call it amateur hour. I don't. I love New Year's Eve. I love celebrating the end of a year and the best year ahead. But the Niner game is going to come up quick right after that game. Thanks to local laborers 872, Tommy White, and his support of the show. Really appreciate their partnership.